Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or take the path that sinners tread, or sit in the seat of scoffers. But their delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law they meditate day and night. They are like trees planted by streams of water which yield their fruit in its season. Its leaves never wither. In all that they do, they prosper. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. May God bless our understanding of this sacred text. And if you are counting, I do have another Bible up here. It's my large print one. <laughs> Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I'm going to do something unorthodox. I'm going to take your picture. Smile. A few weeks ago, I realized that um, today, February 11th, would be my last regular preaching date at the First Congregational Church of Western Springs. Still here for another month, but um, my last regular preaching date is today. 14 years and one day after the Associate Pastor Search Committee voted to recommend me to church council. I have been dreading this day to the point of engaging in some wildly irresponsible procrastination. This is totally out of character for me. Normally, I look forward to preaching. It is one of the most meaningful things I do as a pastor. Indeed, preaching less frequently was one of the few truly hard things about transitioning from being a solo pastor to becoming an associate. Two years into my work here, I wrote this reflection on my now defunct blog. I loved preaching every Sunday. It was an incredible crucible for me. From age 25 to 30, I studied the scriptures, wrote a sermon, and delivered it to a community of faith every single week. Less a handful for vacations and maternity leave and a cantata here or there. But I also love not preaching every Sunday. I love that I get to hear gifted colleagues preach, that I have time for other pastoral ministries, and that I have more words left over for other writing. I worked on some rough math this week. I'm fairly sure that I preached more in my first five years of ministry than I have in the past 13 and a half. For a pastor who identifies first and foremost as a preacher, that's an uneasy equation. The persistence of my call to preach contributed to my discernment to the co-pastorate position in Appleton. I will preach on Christmas Eve this year 
for the first time since 2009. But the actual proclamation of the gospel from the pulpit is only a fraction of what preaching means to me. Another excerpt from that very old blog post, and it dawned on me, I had very few readers, so these words have now been received by more people than they ever were then. <laughs> when I preached every week, sermon preparation was, for better or worse, my primary spiritual practice. Out of necessity and habit, I spent quite a bit of time struggling with God and thinking about Jesus and listening to the Spirit. There was a sort of ongoing exchange which peaked every Sunday among the most marvelous conversation partners, Christ and culture and commentaries and community. And this leads me back to Psalm 1. Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or take the path that sinners tread or sit in the seat of scoffers. But their delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law they meditate day and night. They are like trees planted by streams of water, which yield their fruit in its season. And their leaves do not wither. In all that they do, they prosper. This is what preaching means to do. Delight in the law of the Lord. This is what preaching makes me do. Meditate on God's law day and night. When I engage in this practice, I am steeped in scripture. Don't be thrown off by the word law. Other translations will refer to God's instruction or God's commandments. Regardless of what word is used, the invitation is the same, to reflect deeply on the truths of Holy Scripture. The law is God's word to us, the life-giving way of being that puts love at the center of our relationship with God and our relationship with one another. When I delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on his law day and night, in preparation to preach or simply for the joy of immersing myself in the testimony of sacred texts, my faith in Jesus grows. My trust in God deepens. My capacity to notice and respond to the presence of the Holy Spirit expands. This is a way of life that leads to flourishing. The psalmist promises this to us. People who immerse themselves in scripture are blessed. This is why we send our children to Sunday school and make a big deal out of our fourth graders receiving their very own Bibles. The commandments become a wellspring of living water, transforming us into people with deep roots that withstand the wind and resist the drought because there will be wind, there will be drought, there will be tragedy and loss and suffering. Now I know full well that I am constitutionally at risk of becoming the antithesis of the tree. If I am not careful, I can be chaff 
dry as a bone, rootless and tumbling in the wind. Truth is, we all can. Just as we shouldn't be thrown off by the word law, neither should we be overly rattled by the word wicked. The psalmist is setting up a tidy binary here because the psalmist wants us to recognize that there are two paths. There are things we need to say no to. One path leads to life. The other path leads to death. But the psalmist knows human nature. The psalmist knows we are a ridiculous mess of good intentions and self-interest. The psalmist knows that human beings are short-sighted and easily distracted. The psalmist knows that life is so complicated we can forget what is actually quite simple. God is real. God is good. And God is with us. God is real. God is good. And God is with us. These are the truths my meditation on scripture has instilled in me over the years. What has taken me too long to learn is that I do not need the discipline of preaching to delight in the law of the Lord. I do not even need to be preparing for a Bible study to meditate on God's law day and night, or even for 15 minutes in the middle of the day. Now, I'm not going to lie, it helps to have absolutely no choice but to study scripture and listen for the Spirit, because I need to have something to say when I climb into the steps of this pulpit. There is a delightful desperation involved with preaching preparation. Can I get an amen? <laughs> but here's the gift, one that is too easy to take for granted. We are all completely free to avail ourselves of sacred scripture. It's stories and poetry, it's words that comfort, and it's words that confound. This has not always been the case. In 1536, William Tinsdale was burned at the stake for translating the Bible into English. As recently as 10 years ago, a video of Chinese Christians receiving their very first Bibles went viral. The elation of these believers as they wept for joy was deeply moving. One woman in the video proclaimed on behalf of her community, this is what we have needed the most. Meanwhile, so many Bibles in our time and place are covered with a thick layer of dust. I want my final sermon in this pulpit to echo the wisdom of that woman in the video. This is what we have needed the most. I am not talking about interpreting the Bible literally or pretending it will be full of easy answers or worst of all, treating it as an idol to be worshiped. I am talking about adopting a posture of receptivity, trusting that when we read the Bible, we don't just encounter words on a page. We are encountered by a living God who creates with language, 
Let there be light. We are encountered by a living God who reveals through language. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. We are encountered by a living God who redeems with language. The word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. Friends, read the Bible slowly, leisurely, prayerfully. There is no right or wrong way to do it. Wrestle with the weird parts. Question the troubling parts. Join a Bible study so that you can wrestle and question in community. Download an app that will send you a verse every morning. Practice Lectio Divina. Memorize a psalm. Stream the Bible Project podcast or pray as you go. Close your eyes when the preacher reads the text on a Sunday morning and really concentrate. Struggle with God. Think about Jesus. Listen to the Spirit. Trust that you will be encountered by the living God who is real and good and with you. You knew I was going to quote Eugene Peterson, right? Nobody is surprised. Eugene Peterson famously translated the entire Bible from the original Hebrew and Greek. He wrote this. Christians don't simply learn or study or use scripture. We assimilate it. Take it into our lives in such a way that it gets metabolized into acts of love, cups of cold water, missions into all the world, healing and evangelism and justice in Jesus' name, hands raised in adoration of the Father, feet washed in company with the Son. God is real. God is good. God is with us. Read the Bible, not because you should, but because these words reveal and empower and transform. Read the Bible because when you meditate on the law of the Lord, you will be a tree planted on a riverbank nourished and grounded. This is what we have needed the most, and we have it. Thanks be to God. Amen.
just a word of instruction so you can greet our new members. We encourage you to go up on the right side of the sanctuary and back um, out on the left side of the sanctuary. And you can make your way over to the Christian Education Building for uh, Holy Grounds following worship. And now receive these words of benediction. May the love of God surround you. The grace of Christ transform you. And the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be your guide as you go forth in peace to love and to serve. Amen.